Welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavalier Central. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Knuck If You Buck, Real Five Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, At The Buzzer, and Lakers Fast Break. Plus, our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com. Hey everybody, welcome back. I am your host, Justin Matcham, and here with me tonight to break down the past couple of games from the Cavaliers, Zach Weiss. Zach, what's up, man? How you doing? What's up, Justin? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. You know, it's it's a Thursday night. The Cavaliers lost. We've had a couple of, <laughs> of rough losses now, but hey, we got Kevin Love and Matthew Delvadova both in a basketball game at the same time. Who am I to complain? <laughs> yeah, and this is only, believe it or not, this is the first time since the Detroit game. That was game two that Kevin Love made it past the first quarter. So there's your advanced stat. I mean, and you look good, but wish he could have gotten a few more minutes because uh, tonight was good for 24 minutes. Sacramento was good for 47 minutes and 58 seconds, and some of these other games were good for about five minutes, if that. <laughs> well, uh, the Cavaliers uh, in a game that I think we always kind of knew. I, I had predicted, we were talking on the last episode uh, about the Jazz game beforehand, uh, just whether or not, um, well, I guess just what we thought the outcome would be. I think we all agreed that we would lose. Um I tried to take a little bit more of an optimistic approach on it and saying that we would lose by like 15 or less. That was not the case. Uh, 114-75, rough one. I went to bed at halftime, so I really I won't have any takes for the second half of this game. I It was late and I don't know. It didn't really feel like worth watching. Uh, tonight, 114-94. Again, the score uh, makes it look a little bit rougher than it was. Because uh, I think in the first half, there were some really, really good things that we saw. And especially, you know, seeing some new faces or at least the returns of some faces that have been around for a while. But anyway, before we get into that, Zach, the trade deadline has passed us. The Cavaliers obviously made the Isaiah Hartenstein trade for JaVale McGee. Also got two seconds in that deal. I'd love to just hear some of your overall thoughts about where the Cavaliers are now past the trade deadline. Uh, did you like the move they made for with JaVale? Uh, did you think they should have made some other moves? You know, what do you make of the whole Andre Drummond situation? I'll just let you 
give out some of your takes on all of that. Yeah, so in regards to the JaVale trade, I'm a little bummed that they that they got rid of him. But at the same time, if you could get a young big man and a couple of picks, why not? I mean, the, they got second-round picks, and they used those picks eventually to get Kevin Porter, who obviously is crushing in Houston. Good for him. But they got him because of those extra picks, right? So they get these extra second-round picks to, to dangle in summer trades, possibly to attach to a, trading another potential veteran this summer. So I think that that's good. Now, for Hartenstein himself, I remember New Year's Eve, I think it was. I was at a friend's house last year. Obviously, this year, no one was at a friend's house on New Year's Eve. And we were, we were just kind of sitting on the couch, me and a couple of friends, you know, aunts and uncles going in and out, or watching the Rockets. And Hartenstein had gotten the start that night. He was playing really well. My, my friend and I were talking about how he had him in fantasy at the time. So seeing a, th- a performance like that and a couple others around that December, January, before they eventually went small and cut him, I know he's capable of playing well. And in the short, short time I spent watching him on the Nuggets in the first couple weeks of the season, I saw good things. So knowing that they got a big man that can protect the rim, he can do the small things with the floater, he can rebound, I like him. I just wish Hardenstein would foul a little bit less. I'm waiting on JaVale's debut in Denver very patiently. Um, They're giving Jermichael Green all of his minutes. Come on, get JaVale in there. I mean, everyone wants to see number. JaVale is also back to his old jersey number there, which I'm very happy about. You know, a lot of guys, when they get a second tenure with the team, don't have the same jersey number either because it's taken or it's just not available, whatever. So I'm excited. But it was a good deal. You know, I've got your picks, got your big man. Drummond, I'm I'm really disappointed in Andre himself. Not, Not for what happened with the Cavs. He could not have been more professional. But I thought maybe that being in the situation he was in Cleveland might have been affecting why he started to struggle towards the end of his time. I was eagerly awaiting his Laker debut last night, and I was very disappointed. Right, He got the early floater. He blocked the shot in the first minute. Then he ended up with about four turnovers, four misses, even bruised the toe in his first game in seven weeks. You know, everything that could go wrong did go wrong, right? Murphy's Law. I mean, it was it was tough. I wish him the best. They had to buy him out. I mean, look at the guy we saw last night. What could you have traded that for? The only team that could have done a deal with that is you'd probably have to go to the Batum contract. That's the only way something could have happened. If the Hornets just held on to Batum for another year, you could probably do. You could probably attach a pick with Drummond for Batum, and that could have gotten it done. But yeah, nothing, nothing was there. And in, re- in regard to keeping Jetty and Prince, whatever. Now we'll talk about them both, I know, but I was really hoping to see Torian traded. No disrespect to him. It just he had his moments in his first two weeks here and then kind of faded fast. So Yeah, we can we can get into both those guys a little bit. Uh regarding Andre, obviously the Knicks were a team that, you know, made some sense there at the end and they had cap space to where they wouldn't have to match salaries. Obviously it didn't end up happening, but let's talk about that uh Drummond in LA game and just kind of what you think Drummond's impact there is gonna be in general. Uh, you know, I still, even after watching that game, which had its moments, uh, both positive and negative, I still am a believer that, you know, Andre will be able to make a positive impact on this team. Uh, I think, you know, minimum signing, you get an upgrade at that center spot. Uh, Marcus All, I'm not hating on Marcus All. I still believe in him as well as, you know, someone who can make a real impact. But I think, you know, limiting his minutes, maybe not to the extent that we saw last game. But uh, limiting his minutes to touch, you know, could be beneficial for him just to keep him fresh. Uh, and I think it, it is hard to play with certain matchups with those guys. You obviously have Mark in the big slow center and Montrez, who is more of a small ball five, who kind of, you know, struggles to defend at that position sometimes. So I think Andre can come in there 
and do some really, really positive things. But we definitely did see both ends of the spectrum with him. Uh, obviously, you know, his debut did get cut short with that toe injury. Was it a, I think they officially labeled it a contusion. Did I they say on the broadcast toe. that like, did they say on the broadcast that he was having like an issue with his nail? Like he uh, lost a nail or something? Well, to be honest with you, I tuned out around the time of the third quarter. I was just a little tired, wanted to read a little bit before bed. So decided to turn it off a little early, but I can't confirm, but either way, I would believe what I heard because if, if it's if it's Mark Jones describing it, you always listen. So, yeah, um, but I, yeah, but we definitely saw. <laughs> it was it was great that they opened up the game with the failed Andre Drummond lob attempt, as uh, <laughs> Mark Jackson was talking about what a dynamic lob threat Andre Drummond is. I thought hey, that was. Hey, you know, I'll be I'll be honest though. I, I do think he's a decent lob threat, but here's the thing. Okay. He's a lob threat, and he's a threat to lobs. And here's what I mean by that. Every time he threw down an alley-oop dunk for the Cavs this year, he got attacked in the paint on the other end on the very next sequence and would get dunked on himself. Like, I swear. that I don't know how it would happen because Andre's 6'11". He has good reach. He'd go up for the ball. I think this happened against DeAndre like three times uh, in one of the Nets matchups. And obviously we won. But, oh, yeah, yeah, he... I don't know why he said that. You know, I like Mark Jackson. I really do. But I think the difference between him and J- JVG, Jeff Van Gundy, is that they both say smart things, but Jeff Van Gundy is specific to a situation. Mark Jackson applies the same theories. If it was uh, DeAndre Jordan, he's a significant lob threat. If it was JaVale McGee, a significant lob threat. If we were talking about Chris Paul having not watched the All-Star game this year where he was a lob threat, he's a significant lob threat, <laughs> right? So Andre Drummond... Sliding at the five, that's a significant lob threat. I mean, look, I, I like him. I was hoping he'd do well because and – I'll, and I'll say this, right? It, it didn't work in Cleveland, but there were ups. 30-20 game, a couple other tw- a couple other 20-20s, and the fact remains that no one picks the Cavs, and Andre was excited about going to Cleveland, and I don't think that was just for show. His fit, I guess, would, it was never going to be long-term once the Allen trade was made. We were having different discussions over the first month of the season versus after that deal, which is totally fine. But I'm just happy he embraced Cleveland, and I just hope that I mean, the, some of the stuff LA fans have said to Wes Matthews in his uh, comment section is very disturbing. I know we see this from uh, big city athletes where they just get this ridiculous, mm-hmm. like, especially the Lakers. Yeah, and it's I just hope that first off. That he is that he that he's he's in a good living situation, right? You never know how that is. I'm sure he's probably at this point in a hotel while he figures out his situation, or maybe he's living with a teammate. You never know how that works. But I just hope a he find he finds comfortability. He's not been in a big city. He's been in Detroit and Cleveland. You know now he's now he's on the West Coast. I just hope he finds that. I hope he figures it out because I agree with you. I think he can have a big impact. My only issue though. The Lakers will be at their best. Davis, once they get AD back, I expect Harold to go to about 20 They'll still to be at their best with AD at center. Oh, yeah, think. with AD at center closing out. But I'd love to see AD and Harold play together. I'd love to just see an experiment. I, mean, I guess it wouldn't make sense with Kuzma and Keith. Harold at the four, Drummond at the five. Maybe that would actually be terrible. On, I don't know what that – actually, that's not good for anything. I just – well. Har- that was their starting lineup last or in that game. Was well, not, Kuzma at the three, Keith at the four, Drummond at the five? Oh no, I, I want to see Harold with. I'm saying Keith. Oh, the Harold. Pro, and yeah, no, I, 
maybe it just doesn't work at all, but Harold back at the four, and I know he dominates against everybody, but he, I just, I wish Harold's going to, his commands at least 25 minutes, which means Drummond gets the mark treatment. So he'll play first seven to eight minutes, unless he picks up two fouls, right? In the first, then he gets a nine or 10 minute rest, finishes the first half, does the same in the third. And his minutes after the first part of the third are always up and up in the air, right? That's what the Lakers did with Gasol. I just hope that he gets the right amount of opportunity, can avoid foul trouble. Because as good as this is, him being with Harrell is kind of like a new Jared Allen situation where he kind of has to find a way to outperform a talented big man that's already there. And or so, you know, I, I guess we'll see. Mm-hmm. And I think in that debut, we did kind of see a little bit of the passing vision from Andre. Uh, there were some... Passes that I thought were actually some impressive passes out of post-ups. There were also, there was the one that was just kind of slop where he got the assist on and he kind of tried to drive on a post-up and just had to, you know, throw it out because he was going nowhere with the ball. Yeah, free assist, um, two cases. We, we did see, yeah, we, we, we saw some rough post-ups. We also saw the one nice kind of finish on that, you know, that long floater. Uh, we saw the, the lack of touch around the rim at times. And obviously it was a limited debut, you know, just not being able to play the full full time because of the toe injury, but it'll be interesting to monitor Andre as we move forward. But I'd like to talk a little bit about the Cavs now. We want to talk, I, I want to start by talking about, um... Oh, wait, just clutch. one quick thing, if I may. Sorry, yes, just yes, on yes, Drummond. Yes. Uh, let's also remember, and as bad as he was, he was going against all first team center, Brooke Lopez, all first team defense center, Brooke Lopez, <laughs> so it's not like he had a yeah. cakewalk. So I just want yeah, to get that yeah. in there. He, yeah, that's, that's a fair point. But, um... <laughs> Isaiah Hartenstein, clutch sniper at the end of regulation <laughs> to cut the lead from twenty three to twenty. Yes, they lost. They lost by LeBron Mozgov instead of LeBron. <laughs> yeah, I think that was that was his first three as a Cavalier. Second, I don't think he. No, he made second, one. In the, he made he, one in his he, debut. He did hit one the first game. Okay, yep. so second three as a first buzzer beater as a Cavalier. Cavalier. <laughs> yes. But um, anyway. We can talk about him a little bit now. Uh, in his debut, did have – obviously, we'll get to the foul issues, but five points, uh, 14 rebounds, and seven assists in that game against the Jazz. Um, tonight, you know, came in with 12.7 rebounds and one assist. Uh, had a couple of blocks tonight as well. There are some clear, you know, takeaways, I think, here with, with Isaiah Hartenstein. Uh, one, it's just nice to have a big body in the, in the lineup right now with, obviously, Andre and JaVale gone. And, and Jarrett not being in the lineup right now either. This team is struggling for size a little bit. Obviously, we didn't even have Larry Nance in these two games. You know, we've been going with a lot of Dean Wade at center. Uh, Kevin got that assignment a little bit tonight. But Isaiah Hartenstein's importance, I think, has been very, very clear. Um, I guess I'll just, I'll just kind of give you the floor on these two games. What have you seen from him? What have you liked? What have you disliked? Like I said, I think obviously – he had five fouls in both of these games. You know, it's kind of something that we, we knew about him coming in that he did kind of struggle with the fouls. I think he's kind of clumsy around the rim a little bit and just, you know, makes some unnecessary contact at times. But what have, what have been your overall thoughts from these first two games of him? Yeah, so game one, he picked up two fouls in the first 38 seconds. Mm-hmm. And here's the... Yes. When, you, when, like, when the Warriors play without a center this year, I thought it was the coolest thing, right? Draymond at the five, they're beating teams by going super small. When it's your team that, 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 that gets the size issue, you start to panic. Like, no, what is happening? Now who's going to come in, right? They, they brought in Lamar Stevens 38 seconds into the game. I thought he played well. But um, after that, you know, Hartenstein did most of his work in garbage time. 
You went to bed at halftime. I went to bed about halfway through the third quarter. I tried. I tried. I, I, I've only tuned out of two other games this year before they finish. This I was think. the first game. This was the first game for this me. The first it was late, I and I okay. just I couldn't do it anymore. Did you leap past the second half? No, I, I, I can't even. Like, I could have found a uh, streaming site, but okay. I, I, I haven't watched it yet. Okay. No, I didn't. Yeah, it was... Uh, yeah. Well, I woke oh. up the next morning, saw the score, and thought to myself, was, you know, I mean, like I said, this was the first half of basketball that I have missed from this team this year. Yeah, yeah, it's it's Is crazy. It really that we worth it to keep up that streak to watch one fourteen seventy five. Yeah, I decided I, against it. No, I'm with personally. you, and I I didn't even I couldn't watch all eighty two if I wanted to any other year. This is just the first year where night times are generally just dedicated to the Cavs, where. When we for the most part, given the circumstances we're living around, we we make we do our thing during the day, right? We're usually unless we're working a game specifically in our own respective industry, then we're just at home saying, "I'm not doing anything. Sorry, I can't do this. Sorry, I can't do that. Or if I do that, I got to be home to watch the Cavs." So um, anyway, Hartenstein, I, I joked that maybe they traded for Jokic with the rebound and assist numbers, but. Um, <laughs> All in all, I mean, I, I like what I saw. You know, he's a lob threat, an actual lob threat. And Mark Jackson, there goes that man, Isaiah Hartenstein. Um, good passer. You know, I, I think that it's actually very hard to be a center and not a good passer these days. I, I think that there's very few of those. I think uh, Marcus Saul and Joaquin Noah kind of set the bar really high for the modern center when they were starting to emerge. Obviously, Nikola Jokic just... I don't even know what his best skill is. I really don't. I don't think we'll ever know what his best skill is. And I'm sure that playing behind Jokic, Todd Hartenstein. By the way, is it Hartenstein or Hartenstein? Because uh, as far against, as what I've heard, it's Hartenstein. Okay, because the Utah broadcast, uh, Bowler Jack and uh, who does it now? Uh, Thurl Bailey were saying Stein. And so then I got the wrong idea, and then I think, okay, well, we'll call him Hartenstein. Just wanted to make sure. Chris Fedor, Chris Fedor reported a few days ago that it is Hartenstein. Okay, okay. I got maybe, maybe they, okay. Anyway, I like what I see. And then tonight, I mean, he looked good. Couple, couple, he had the lob from Jetty, some good rebounds. Couple of iffy passes, not his fault. You know, the issue tonight, I think, was Kevin's minute restriction. I'm just happy he made it past the first quarter because I, I kept worrying that something might happen. He's going to have to leave early again. He's only made it through one game this year. Made it through, what, a minute eight last time. So it was good to see. I didn't even know he was coming back. I saw uh, Evan Damrell's tweet a couple days ago saying he was expected to play. I, I didn't know until – and when they announced Dean was starting, I'm like, huh, I guess Kevin's coming off the bench. And they're like, oh, no, it's center, Kevin Love. But, no, it was good to see him. Hardenstein will be good. You know, I'm going to take – I got the stats from tonight, finished with 12, 7, and 2 blocks, negative 12. Really had 9 points plus that buzzer beater. You know, I, I like it. Got to stop the fouls. I feel like he's going to get 5 fouls in 10 minutes or 20. I feel like once they get Jared Allen back, he might be a little more aggressive. Kind of like JaVale. He picked up a lot of fouls during his minutes with the Cavs. And I think it's because he knew as a backup there was no pressure, right? If he fouled out, he fouled out, and they got Jared to – coming in to, to bail him out. So I think that once we have Jared Allen, it'll be his fouls won't be as big of a deal. So I think throw him out for six or seven minutes each half, right, roughly, and let's see what we get, you know. I think that once him and, and once Larry comes back, I think they'll be better. He was starting to shoot lights out from three. 
I mean, eight first half threes, just two in the second half for, for the guys tonight. I think that's got to be better. But I think that, you know, at the end of the day, Hardenstein is going to play much better next to Larry Nance or whoever it is he's playing next to or Wade. He'll always have a good stretch big next to him that can also pass. And I think that'll make him better both inside and rotating the ball. Yeah, and I think, you know, Hartenstein had a rough shooting night in his, in his debut with the Cavs, went two for eight. Tonight, you know, bounced back and uh, discounting, you know, that, that final three that we can, I guess we can count shot five for nine from the field, four for eight, you know, you know, from two. I think we saw a little bit more of the finishing ability around the rim that we knew he was capable of. Um, I want to get into uh, Kevin Love, who we had mentioned a little bit. Kevin Love played 20 minutes in this game. He had 13 points, four rebounds, three assists. You know, he made three threes out of six attempts. Kevin Love looked good tonight. Like, and I feel like you could do, you could tell in, in his, you know, his first attempt to come back that he was still just kind of limited movement wise, and that he didn't, he didn't really look like he was comfortable out there. And, and you know, he made a couple shots, um, but only played 10 minutes. Came back the next night, you know, again, clearly didn't really look like he was moving very well and then was out, I don't even know how far, how far into the game, but not very long. Tonight looked like uh, a, a healthier Kevin Love, I thought. Obviously, you know, in, the, in that first, you know, half, especially the first quarter, he, he had it going, hitting shots. The ball, I just thought, moved really, really well with him on the floor. And obviously with Darius on the floor as well. Uh, Darius finished with, with eight assists. He had... I believe he had seven of those in the, in the first half. Yes, he did. Yeah, uh, was was really moving the ball around the floor very, very well. Just you know, a lot of you know, kind of flashy passes and just you know, hitting cutters. You know, some some difficult angles that he was throwing and, and hitting guys on. So it was it was good to see that. But I think you know, having Kevin in that starting lineup and on the floor with them, uh, I thought Kevin Love and Dean Wade had some good chemistry in that first half. Uh, Dean Wade, by the way, uh, finished six for fourteen from the field, three of eleven for three. Um, went ice cold in the second half and was just kind of trying to find it. But Dean Wade had a moment in this game. He was also, you know, red hot in the first half. Uh, ended with 16 and 8. You know, that's a nice little line. Um, like I said, that, that that second half shooting, I think everything just kind of tailed off in the second half and it was, it was overall rough. But uh, Kevin Love's back. What did you think of him tonight? Yeah, I, I liked it. And uh, going through his, so he went from, he played 37 minutes and shot 4 of 12 in his first game. Then he got hurt against Philly. So I'm glad he made more minutes against Philly this time. Then he went 9 minutes. After playing the 9 minutes, he missed the next 33 games. Came back, played 10 minutes, then 1 minute. Missed the, missed the last 8. I didn't know it had been that long since we, we briefly saw him, which means it's been that much longer since we've heard him on the broadcast. I think that was pre-All-Star, but I, I liked it, you know. I liked his confidence early on. I think that as soon as he got one shot to go, and we know that about him. He had the 30-point first quarter against Portland. We'll never forget that, right? He's capable. For most guys, yeah, when you make your first shot in the first quarter versus missing it, it sets the tone for what's going to happen for the next six or seven minutes, unless you're the top guy before you come out of the game. And I think that we knew we were going to get some good stuff from him. I wish it carried over. You know, I think as he started to go cold, uh, Dean did as well. But no, I liked it. Kevin was moving the ball well. Uh, Collins' first basket of the game, the corner three that led to the Philly timeout, made it 13-5. Kevin had a cross-court pass to him. I think that I, I, I was noticing Sexton didn't really touch the ball in the first three minutes. And then just kind of they were playing through Kevin Darius. And 
I just think that was great court awareness. And we know that there's no beef between them. There never will be. You just have to. Hate that I even have to mention it when we're talking yeah, about yeah. them. But they, they like each other. I also noticed, by the way, before the game, after starting lineups, a big hug between Garland and Love. So I think they were excited to play together again, finally. So it's just good that he's bonded. That they, they, they clearly are tight. But that was a great pass to Colin that really set things up. And then, you know, uh, put him up 13-5. I like what Kevin did. Third quarter, I guess, doesn't count. I did hate, though, the fact that I guess he was limited. And while the Cavs are trying to stay in the game, they didn't want to put Wade back in. Hartenstein had five. And then I went with Lamar at the five. I think it killed them on the boards. I think that for those three minutes where they didn't have a real big man at all because Love, Isaiah, and Dean were all out, that killed them. And while they didn't really get outscored in that period, I think it gave Philly the blueprint that even when the Cavs brought one of them back in, they knew how to finish it out. So, yeah, those are my thoughts. For Kevin Love, I just thought, in general, it was good to see him kind of looking for his own shot, too. Um, especially, like we said, early in the game when he really had it going. Um, in a way that I just feel like we haven't seen from him in a while, and obviously we haven't seen him play in a while. But he was really – it just it felt like he was really, really trying to get his own shot and you know, looking for his own shot. Not in a bad way, but just you know creating for himself. Um, I just think – you know, it speaks to I think the kind of the confidence that he has in his body right now, as far as where he's at health wise with his you know his calf. Um, it just it, it, it I'm I'm excited to see where we move forward from here with him. Uh, obviously, the Cavaliers don't have any back to backs coming up. I don't think in too close. I'm not sure when the next back to back is, but I know it's you know this, this coming week. We don't have anything like that. I don't believe. Um, so it, we should see him in every game. Uh, We'll see how the minute restriction, you know, kind of goes. I, I, hopefully we can see that up to about 25 minutes, you know, as the season progresses. I don't think he's ever going to be a guy who's logging, you know, Dean Wade played 37 minutes, and I don't think we're ever going to see that from Kevin Love. I just don't think, you know, at this point in the season, it's smart to do that. But um, overall, very, very, very happy with what I saw from him tonight. Just good to see good to see him in general in, in a uniform again. Um, it, it was kind of getting concerning there, Zach, for a minute. Um <laughs> I wasn't sure. I, I and, and none of us were sure. There really weren't any updates coming, you know, from the team, from reporters as to when he would be back on the court uh, up until just recently here. Yeah. How no. concerned were you with him just after, again, after that second injury especially? Well, I guess not injury, but just where he didn't feel right uh, left early in, in the game when he tried to make the comeback. Where were you at with him at that point in time? Uh, I was worried, man. I mean, getting through one minute, 41 seconds the last time after only making it 10 the day before, you know, it's been tough because it's the second time in three years you've had to deal with this. Year one, he played the first four games, then got hurt, missed a long time, and then the team finished with a 500 record over the final uh, month and a half when he returned, which is kind of telling at that point of what his impact was. You look at last year, you know, I think he played 55 out of 64. Four or 65 so he was he was regularly there they were obviously not a great team last year but i think they were better because he played obviously the power forward position we weren't really given dean this opportunity last year so who knows what would have happened maybe i don't know but if anything here's what i here's what we learned though from the time that kevin missed we figured out that dean wade can really play ball like really play ball and we didn't know we knew guys like him are very good in college if he doesn't get the minutes in the NBA, you never really find out. And when he finally got the playing time, when they were super shorthanded, they put him in the starting lineup after they were keeping him out completely. 
and they found good results. Now we know they got three legitimate power forwards, and I think that uh, it's it's just it's huge. You have options. So like when you're missing Larry and Allen, I mean, yeah, they lost by 19, but they stayed close because Dean came in and played well. But I thought Kev might be done in the NBA, let alone in Cleveland. I mean, can't stay on the court for very long. From what we read, his confidence is down. You know, he doesn't know if he can move right. You never really know. I don't know that he needed to miss eight games. I don't even know what was going on. They said his calf, but what was the issue? We don't know. I'm just glad he played at all because, you know, once you get to your 13th year and the average player doesn't make it more than than past the rookie contract, I would say, right? 60 guys get drafted every year. How many of them have a secure contract with that same team? Outside the stars, very few, right? If you, you can't play a role, that's and Kevin's in his 13th year. He won a championship. He's been to four. He's made it through trade rumors every year since 2014, and yet he's still here, still doing what he can to try and help them win. So at the end of the day, this was his 354th game as a Cav. I'm happy he's still there. I'm happy that he was healthy enough to play. And, you know, uh, it's just it's guys like him and Larry Nance off the court. You're so proud as a fan that they represent your team. And I'm just glad we got to see him again. I'm sure we'll see him a lot more the rest of the year. But to get today is definitely a big step for him. I mean, it's only the second time he's gone more than 15 minutes the entire season. And, you know, we also got our pal Matthew back. But keeping it on the topic of Kevin, you know, good that he played. And I hope that he can build on this as he starts to maybe – I'd rather see him get five minutes in, or six minutes in every quarter than 10 5 5 0, though. Because I don't want to see him sitting for that long. I don't think that's good for him physically, anyway. Hey, everyone. The NBA season is underway, and there's no better way to celebrate than with Thrive Fantasy, the daily fantasy sports app for player props. They've eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top tier athletes in each sport. All you have to do is pick five out of the ten player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point of total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to occur. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a portion of the prize pool. Thrive has awarded over $2 million in prizes since launching in 2018 and will be awarding thousands more this NBA season. So download the Thrive Fantasy app today or visit thrivefantasy.com to get started. Use the promo code KLOVE, that's K-L-O-V-E, like Kevin Love, when you sign up and you will receive an instant deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit of $20 or more. Sign up and prop up today. Well, let's shift topics, Zach. Matthew Delvadova, 16 minutes, 5 assists. I, I, there is nothing that I can say here. That'll that'll match what I'm sure you have to say about Dolvadova. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna give this away to you. Dolvadova played a basketball game again for the Cavaliers. I'm, I'm just I'm, like, I'm gonna let you take this away. <laughs> yeah, 387 days later, and you know, I, I knew I'd be excited for when he was coming in, but I, I didn't actually. There's that there's for, there's excitement where you're looking forward to something, and then there's the excitement of it's actually happening. You know where. You're you're just you start yelling at your screen. You're pumped, and I don't care that he had a, he was minus one. I don't care that he was zero for four. You know he played again. I didn't know it was going to happen. I I never expected him to ever come back to the Cavs once he signed that deal with the Bucks. So the the day, and I've said this a million times, the day they traded for him is one of the best days I've ever had as as, as, a, as a fan of him. 
you know, it's very rare that a guy that loved gets his payday and during that same contract gets traded for. And then when it runs out, the team brings him back again. And now here we are in game number 48. You know, overcame a nasty concussion, an appendectomy. I think he's been on the bench for about nine or ten games. And after the appendectomy, that never came up at all. He probably would have been playing about a month ago. But he, he came in, yep. He had he missed a three short. He had uh, two floaters blocked and another floater short. But yeah, five assists. He was passing it really nice. He had a nice pass to Garland on a cut. One of Darius's three buckets. You know, he had to defend Ben Simmons. What I thought was impressive, and this is this might be nothing. I got to read something. The nothing is he tripped. He lost the ball as Ben Simmons took it away. He was on one knee and still managed to commit the foul to stop the break. Yes, to stop the break with Ben Simmons on a four on five. Yeah. yeah. Well, he was kind of on the ground. So again, that's just, that's the same guy that got hospitalized for trying too hard in the finals. Dova Dova will never not be on the ground in a basketball game. We'll put yeah, it that way. That's right. And he found his, his way on the ground the second time where Shake Milton kind of elbowed him. And then he, he kind of went back at him, dove on the loose ball. He didn't win the jump, but forced one. You know, it's, it's just good to see him. I, I don't like the guys he played with in the second half, though. I would have rather see him replace Garland than Sexton and rather see Deli and Colin together because having Garland and Deli in the game to, together is kind of counterintuitive because both of their jobs are to move the ball and they're only going to shoot as a last resort. And I, I, I didn't like them playing together. And the team had 26 assists on 34 baskets, which is great. But and these guys had 12 of them or 13 of them, I should say. But got to play him with Colin, right? Because Colin's going to move around. Colin's going to look for a shot. They can find him anywhere. But I liked his minutes. Uh, you know, he played it four in the first. Came in, I think, for a few minutes, middle of the second, middle of the third. Surprised that Sexton closed the game instead of Delhi being in or instead of Damian Dotson coming in. It seems that, you know, Jetty got out of the doghouse, whatever house he was in. He looked good, but I don't know why he played ahead of Broderick or, or Lamar. Um I like Delhi. You know, I'm happy that he's back. I'm wearing my Cavs Delvadova jersey as we speak. I, I, but the issue might be, and you can blame me for the loss if you need to, Justin, and, and to our listeners. Uh, I was shooting hoops before I got home. Didn't have time to shower, but uh, before the game, uh, so I was wearing my Cavs fleece. And after I, sh- I put my Delvadova jersey on after, and that's when they went cold. So may- maybe I'm the issue. I hope not, but I did change at halftime from a fleece into the Cavs' uh, Delhi jersey. So I do hope I'm not part of the problem. I mean, just never do it again. And <laughs> I'm sure that they'll never have a bad second half ever again. No, um, I, I wasn't doing it before, and the second half was still pretty <laughs> below mediocre, to, to put it lightly. But And, and you mentioned, you know, the, the garland Delvadova minutes on the floor. Uh, I, I think, you know, just as you're reintroducing them, I, I'm not – totally against doing something like that. I, I do think moving forward, um, staggering their minutes will be the way to do it. Uh, I, I do agree with you that, you know, Sexton, I think, is more, you know, just as far as the offensive, you know, skill sets. And, you know, the, how does it keep things flowing the best? I think that's what you would want to do moving forward. But just, you know, reintroducing him, experiment with a couple things. No no real gripe there, for me at least. Um it was just nice to get some other facilitators in there, uh, being Kevin, being Deli, just guys who are you know willing passers, you know make the extra pass well. I think that that and especially in that in the first half where we saw that, 
it was just it was good to see the ball moving around a little bit more on an offense that has been. You know, we, we just watched the Utah game where they scored seventy five points. The offense has been dreadful to watch sometimes. So and getting some guys in here like this, it, it's just it's 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 kind of refreshing to you know watch a little bit more fast paced you know motion in the offense. I do have one more question regarding Matthew Delvadova, Zach. Yep. We knew he changed the shot before. We knew that that change did not work. He, I, I don't have the you know the three point percentage from last season off the top of my head. I think he has about twenty three. What on earth has he done to his shot now? He only took one three, and it's again changed since last time. I don't even know how to describe it, but it's yeah. Um, I I think the release Dova is- has has not improved. His form. No, and but his time I, away. I, I do think the release is quicker, though. And let's also remember that his time away has been away, away, concussed. Yes, yes, it physically, has. It has. Physically, he's only been practicing this, for about a week. His shot is different now, though, than it was the last time that he did. Yeah, play. I, no, I think the release is quicker. It was like it was pushed. It was a low release. Yeah. It was maybe a little bit quicker, but it just. I think the Philly broadcast noted that it looked painful as he was shooting the ball. And I can't really say I disagree. Well, I, I uh, probably because uh, where he releases the ball is where he had his appendix taken out. So, uh, honestly, I, I don't know. I, I heard that. Uh, and then I also heard uh, endless clips of uh, Zumoff and uh, Ala Abdel-Nabi just ripping everybody. For thing. I don't know if he was ripping them or observing it. I mean, they're... When Kevin Porter dunked on Norville Pell in a 50-point game, they're like, dude, you're down by 50. Uh, it's like they're they're just kind of like they, – they do a nice job of painting a picture as broadcasters, but they're also kind of like those guys watching the game with their friends after maybe a drink and a half saying things all that, that they're not going to second guess. They're just going to say it. That's probably how I'd phrase some of the things. So maybe – I don't know. I, I, didn't, I didn't see an issue with it. I thought it was going in. Like, Dally for three! I, I yelled that at my thing. I never thought that was going in. I have to be completely honest. Nah, the moment that left his hands. I, you know, the last time he was an effective uh, deep ball shooter was when... Well, he, against the Spurs, was in an individual NBA game. But it was for Australia a couple of years ago. I think he'll, he'll get it back. He'll make at least a few threes. He'll get a couple of Deli trays. Because Deli trays make the world go around, you know... Uh, for fans of pizza and those sushi places, you know, where they have a kind of a conveyor belt and it, and it comes to you. I haven't been to one yeah. in a long time. You know, Deli Trey's make that possible. You know, he, he makes a three and everything just flows. I guarantee you that anyone that went out for pizza tonight probably had a 10-minute delay because Deli didn't hit a three. Because when he plays, my favorite is the Deli Trey. You know, D-3-L-L-Y-T-R-3-Y. <laughs> and I'm serious about that. You know, his... My favorite thing in basketball, and obviously it's less now. It's, it's kind of more from his earlier years in Cleveland. I go crazy when he does anything good. Anything good, you know. So I wish he made one. And I'm sorry. I feel like you had a pizza tonight. So I'm sorry, Justin. Um, you probably I did not, not have pizza tonight. You did not have pizza. Did you have sushi tonight? No. Okay. I wonder why. I, I, did, I, I wonder why. <laughs> I had chicken tonight. So. Okay. Gr- grilled or grilled? Barbecue chicken? Grilled. Oh, grilled. Grill, so we're, we're not playing basketball. No, barbe- I mean, actually, what does barbecue chicken mean? Tell tell us, like, what does barbecue chicken mean? Because I don't know. Like the food or like. No, it's basketball. Like, what does it mean? It's like. like I, I mean, it's, it's a shack thing, I guess. 
It's like, you know, just like, like, (laughs) I don't even know how to describe it exactly, but it's just, you you see someone, like, think of Shaq in the post, you know, with a a 6'6", small forward on him. You know, (laughs) Shaq gets the ball in the post, that's, that. Little small forward is barbecue chicken. Okay. Shaq's just gonna dunk all over him. Oh, so, oh, I see. Okay, so it's like no one wants to hang out with them, right? Because no one gets chicken at a barbecue. I don't know if that's exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yes, I will okay. go with that. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, I think De- <laughs> Deli Shaw will be fine. He's had some hitches in it before, and at the end of the day, if he goes over twenty from three. It's not hurting the team as long as he's not looking for it aggressively. The thing about him, he's only going to shoot in the flow of the offense. He'll figure it out. The only thing I didn't like, though, is maybe – this is, again, I, I was playing earlier tonight, I mentioned, and I'm not an NBA player. I'm not getting paid a million dollars this year. I'm not getting any of that. But when I do play, the floater's my go-to shot, whether I've been off a day, a month, a year, whatever. You know, I, it's, it's going to stick. So I think Austin Carr saying that, and I have to, love to hear your thoughts, then we'll move on, I guess. Um, when he missed the one open floater, he said it's a hard shot when you haven't been playing. I don't agree with that. I just think that he happened to miss it. It's I think that for him, it's never a hard shot. I just think that he probably was nervous, but he just missed the floater. Well, I just think, I think shots like that are just shots that kind of come, with, with floaters especially, they kind of just come in the rhythm of the game. And when you haven't really had a chance to build up any rhythm for such a long time, I think that's kind of more where that comes into effect. Um, obviously, that, that's been Delhi's shot throughout his career. I, I think he'll find it very quick. But I think you know, just in general, when you're off for that long, you know, finding shots can be a little bit more difficult at first than they are, you know, a couple games in. So I, I think Delhi in that perspective will be fine. Uh, we, we weren't. We weren't, you know, hoping for him to come back for his ability to shoot threes. That was that was never really what we wanted him to be back for. So, if he can find it, great. I personally don't think he will. But the five assists are what we wanted Delhi back for. The the ball movement, you know, the, the making the extra pass, just the grittiness on defense, diving on the floor for loose balls, making heady plays, making smart plays. That's what we wanted from him, and that's what we got tonight. Um, yeah, and you know what? You know, he's the last Aussie standing. We started the year with Thon, with, mm-hmm, with Dante mm-hmm. Exum, and Matty D. And then all of a sudden, we can't lose all of them. Yeah, we lose Thon, trade Dante, and then it's just Matthew. I want to transition over to Jetty a little bit. Um, Jetty had his first not disastrous game in quite a while. And obviously, he kind of, like we were saying earlier, along with, with Windler. Uh, kind of got put in the doghouse. Obviously, Windler's dealing with some stuff right now. He's not just out with coaches' decisions. But um, Jetty came in, played 19 and a half minutes, hit a couple of shots, one of which was a three. Uh, again, I, I don't think he had a spectacular game, but just seeing him not shoot one for 11 was refreshing. This is the question I have for you, Zach. Was it the haircut? <laughs> Well, I'm actually, I'll say no, uh, it was not. I, I missed the headband. Well, I'll frame it, I'll frame it. I was going to say, were you pro long hair Jetty or yes. are you pro Dude, short Jetty, hair Jetty? I, Jetty makes I money on that hair. I much at the end. Dude, that hair, I, it, that, that hair pays no, for Jetty's no, no, groceries, no. bro. That that hair pays for his groceries. The, the ads he does with head and shoulders, that, that, that the pays. The longer his hair got, the worse he played. I don't know. I'm looking at his numbers right now and this shocks me. 
So, you know, the Cavs, by the way, I, I assume he's he's got the worst. The Cavs own the last two uh, field goal percentage low leader in the NBA. Last year was Torian. Osman to 35-3. Torian was worse at 38% last year. And it also shocks me, though, because Jordan Poole was at 29% for a month. I don't know how he got out of that to the point that he did. Now he's a beast. But Jetty shooting 35%, 30 from three. Last year it was 43% and 38 from three. I don't know what the heck happened. The three-pointer has fallen off a cliff. It has fallen <laughs> off a cliff, and it didn't even get pushed off a cliff. It just voluntarily jumped off the cliff. Because cliff jumping is apparently something that, that you can do if you don't know. Actually, I don't even want to get it. I don't even know what I'm saying. So just, just scratch that. But Jetty, Jetty averaged 13 points in 18-19, down 11. This year he's at 10. His steal numbers are up. His rebounding numbers are down. His minutes are down. Everything is just bad. I, I just I don't know what I'm seeing. I was a big Jetty uh, guy for the previous several years. You know, I didn't I'm really you, have, Zach, it's the hair. I don't know. I mean, I'm looking at his numbers right now. He hasn't scored more than 11 since uh, February 19th. Just trying to see here. Uh, plus minus. So he's had a plus minus in only 16 games. They win most of them. I mean, I don't know. I think that I would have preferred a trade. I know some teams had interest, I guess. The Clippers probably... Talk the Clippers to the, didn't. They had interest, though. Done. They had interest. They had think, interest. So did the but, Nets. Yeah, but, but here's what happened like with potential the Potential trades that could have been done. That would have never happened. I think what happened was they were hoping to get a third. Yeah, but he, he's decent enough that if he, if he goes to a winning team, he, he's not going to be your, you know, your Lou Williams or your Kevin Martin, uh, you know, who's a great when he went to OKC off the bench, or your, your Jeremy Lamb, or even your, let me think of one more example, your, your Gary Trent, I guess. He's, but he's, he could be decent and in a good situation. I think that at the end of the day, when we're talking about Chetty Osman, you know, we're talking about a guy that can fill it up, but he hasn't. The hair has nothing to do with it. I don't know what it is. I, I, I hadn't seen him benched since his rookie year when he hadn't cracked the rotation yet. It's just this is just a weird year for everybody involved. The fact that the Cavs are now seventeen and thirty-one. Again, we never expected a real playoff year given that the east was always going to be a little better than the Cavs could could muster but 14 games under 500 given the way they began is a little bit disheartening and this has nothing to do with jb everyone's saying fire jb the only thing jb doesn't do he doesn't alter his rotations quickly enough if a guy is struggling he'll still give him his six or seven minutes and while that's great for the guy's confidence in a league where you have to win certain games you can't always do that but well, I guess they'll figure it out with Jetty. I mean, I'm looking at his minutes. I just wanted to give you – here's a quick breakdown for you. Let me just – so these are his minute breakdowns uh, per uh, basketball reference, and I'll throw it to you for your thoughts. He's played 0 to 9 minutes once. He's played 10 to 19 minutes 12 times. That should probably be a little higher. He's played 20 to 29 20 times. He's gone over 30 minutes 11 times with 40 once. Uh, the 40s when he played 50 in the Brooklyn uh, triple overtime where he was great. So I have no issue with that. But I, I think – and he scored single digits 22 times, 10 to 19, 17, 20 to 29, 5. I there, I don't know how to explain the issue, but something, something with him has just changed as the years develop because he was really good off the bench for the first couple games before everything started to change up. 
Yeah, it was really weird. And I think, you know, when you look at some of those higher minute games, a lot of those were out of pure necessity earlier in the season when everyone but him was hurt. Uh, he did have to log some heavier minutes than we would have liked to see. Uh, it, it has just been weird how the year has gone, though, with him. Uh, came out of the gates and looked like, you know, maybe, okay, we have some, some real improvements out of him. Uh, the shot was falling. Uh, and I, I still have appreciated you know, what we've seen from him uh, as a facilitator this year. And it's not like it's, you know, a staple of his game. Because it's exactly. But um, I, I think he has made strides as a playmaker this year. Um, the rebounding numbers, you know, are, are what they are. But I think, you know, he still does a decent enough job providing value in that aspect. I don't know how to explain the shot to you. Uh, he, you know, he's, and he's still been taking them and volume. Uh, that has never – it's weird with him because you can kind of tell when his confidence is kind of starting to go away, but he doesn't stop shooting. And he, in those cases, doesn't stop missing either. Um, I, I don't know what to make of it at this point. The defense is still the problem that it is. I, I, I like to see him get a little bit of run tonight, uh, especially, you know, in – a situation. I, th- I thought I thought he played fine tonight. Um, yeah, I, agree. I will say uh, it, it, completely not related to his basketball performance. And I get that. I was just joking, but I am glad he got a haircut. I um, know, no man, he looked good. But I don't headband know. jetty did not work. It, it wasn't the headband. The experiment wasn't the is problem. done. The headband. The headband the experiment is over, Zach. No, we're never Cavs, going back to it. We don't have never Broderick, ever going no, back to it. No, Broderick Thomas isn't a regular apparently, which is what we learned tonight anymore. And he's the only headband guy we got that I don't like. The, oh, Jared Allen, I don't know. I don't count that. I feel like the headband Jared is just Jared Allen a, will be back. But that's not a headband. That's, that's a, no, that's a hair accessory. That is, yes, that is a head. No, no it it's is not. They're all no. hair accessories. It was, it was Jetty Osmond's hair accessory. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was Jetty Osmond's yes. hair enhancer. If it's Allen Jared didn't Allen's play with hair it, enhancer. Well, it's a rule. If you have an afro, you have to wear a headband. It's the Ben Wallace rule. Or maybe guys before him did too. Actually, yeah, there were probably plenty of afros. Bingo Smith didn't wear a headband. I just I don't I don't know. I don't I don't think I would have liked it without the headband. If I was if I was old enough to watch Bingo Smith during the, the miracle at Ridgefield, right? I, I don't know if watching that do game. Count, do you count Robin Lopez's hair as an afro? And why doesn't he wear a headband? He has, but Larry Lemon, why doesn't he wear a headband? What the heck? What is oh, no. Damien Dodson wears a headband oh, sometimes. He he has it sometime, but, oh, sometimes. Sometimes sometimes. Uh last night, I think it was two nights ago, two nights ago. Or was it last night? Whatever night it was, I think it was two, uh, two nights ago. A couple nights uh, ago, yeah. Robin, do you see what he did with his hair? He had it like a, like a like one of those samurai buns, kind of, but, but back, not on top. Oh yeah. So it was like I don't. It, it looked like I don't. I don't even know. He, he didn't. He doesn't want to be side. He didn't want to be sideshow Bob for a day. He didn't want to chase Bart Simpson around for a day. That's what he did. So he's like, I'm just going to change up my hair. But no, getting back to Jetty, you know. I'm, I'm not cool with it. You know, I don't know if he went to a, uh, his barber. Yeah, he probably went to it. Hopefully, his barber. I, I don't think. Well, I'm assuming know, he, he went to a barber. Yeah, he hopefully went to his personal guy. And his personal guy has been tested because Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons missed an all star game because they went to a barber without checking COVID protocol first. Daniel Kilgore almost. Actually, he did miss the Super Bowl. I think, because because he went to a barber. I, I just hope that whoever did his hair, it seems to be the case, was following protocol. So clearly, even if he's not shot smart, Jetty is street smart. More so than two all-stars on the team that just beat us. So how about he's that? He's barber smart. What was that? He's barber smart. Yeah, he's barber smart. He's snip, snip smart. He's Marcus smart. 
<laughs> I don't know where we're going with this. But um, yeah. anyway, I, I want to talk about Tarian Prince a little bit. Uh, a guy who has struggled since he's made his return on these past couple games. Went two for nine tonight. And, and I think you know, in the second half of the season when we've seen him, uh, has struggled shooting the ball. And we, we, we know that that's something that has plagued him throughout his career. Obviously, like you had mentioned earlier, in Brooklyn, you know, had the league's worst field goal percentage uh, for, for a minute there. I liked what we saw from Tarian, obviously, after the trade. Uh, it seemed like he had kind of figured things out. Uh, the shots were falling. You know, he was someone who could kind of create from behind the line, uh, you know, could create inside, get his own shot in the mid-range, could finish at the rim. Uh, it, we, we saw those flashes. Obviously, he has regressed back to what he was kind of doing in Brooklyn. Um, but I, I think it's it's hard to – and I know that, you know, there are some people out there in the Cavs world that are kind of souring on, on Tarnan a little bit. And, and I understand that from a production standpoint because it hasn't been there necessarily. I just feel bad for Tarian in the sense that he, I thought, played pretty well up until the time when he started getting injured. You know, had a pretty serious ankle injury, came back from that, and the first game that he came back, suffered another ankle injury, uh, you know, was out through the, the All-Star break, came out of the All-Star break, you know, with a shoulder injury that he had suffered in practice, was out for that reason for a while and then just came back recently for these past couple games and I think it was on the Wine and Gold Talk podcast I don't know if you listened to that ever with Chris Fedor and uh, Hayden Grove um, Chris Fedor had mentioned that um, the Tarian is still dealing with some ankle issues and that's something he's probably going to have to address in the offseason uh, that you know that might have to have some cleanup you know via surgery so it, it's clear that he's, he's just not playing at 100% right now and you, you have to believe that just the lack of rhythm that he's been able to build, along with the fact that his ankle is probably still hampering him a little bit and the shoulder probably doesn't feel 100% at this moment. I just feel bad for Tarian because for as well as he was playing, you know, all of his rhythm and all of his groove has just kind of been, you know, completely messed up by some unfortunate injuries. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. And as basketball fans and people that talk about it like you and I do, but we think of these guys as players, right? They're just, they're guys that put on a jersey, and for 48 minutes, we hope that they make good decisions with the ball, scoring, playing defense. But we forget sometimes that that they're they're people. You know, they have, they have lives. And I was reminded of this again when I saw uh, Windler and Dotson doing that uh, championship belt shooting contest in practice. Oh yeah. And it with certain guys, you know, you see off-court things they're doing, whether they're hopping on a podcast. I've been listening to a ton of road tripping uh, with our old buddies Richard and Channing, Ali Clifton as well, uh, another another former Cav uh, employee. And, you know, there's so much to be told about these guys away from the game. And I think that w- uh, when, you know, we tweet things or we say things, and this is, this will all, I mean, this is all going to tie together. It, it's hard. And, look, I, I get it. I know. Like, I, I love to hear about what guys do off the court because we love to watch these guys. And it's how, how can you relate, you know, Lowry and DeRozan. I always think about this. They always they used to get McFlurries together at 3 a.m. You know, we don't I don't have any video. There's no video I, I can watch that. But they always talked about it, right, that those guys are just that tight. And it, it's little things like that that almost make you like guys more. In the sense of Torian, you know, I do feel bad. You know, our, our buddy Braden Ballin tweeted, I do not enjoy watching Torian and Prince play basketball. Same night, Torian likes the tweet. That was his only Twitter activity that day. No one yeah. likes. So clearly, yeah. I don't know if he searched himself or if it came up or what. 
But, you know, I, I kind of I feel bad. You know, I, I don't like Torian as a basketball player right now. That's not to say I don't like Torian Prince, the individual. And there is a difference. I do want to see him turn it around. And you, you do feel bad about the injury. I actually didn't know that he was still dealing with anything. So I hope he gets past it. But sometimes it's just hard to separate. And, you know, we, we dish on these guys. And, you know, at the end of the day, they finish the game. They're done with practice. They're going home. They'll eat food just like you or me. They'll turn on the TV like you or me. They'll sleep like you or me. They go on Twitter like you or me. You know, they have their friends. They, they do things. Just they're, they're a higher profile people. So while we talk, I, I'm one of them, talked a little down about Torian Prince. I do want to see them do well, you know, and Cavs Twitter, always very opinionated, as, as you know. And whether it's on Kevin Love or uh, Larry or Darius, whoever it is. But then when they do well, they're happy. It's how it is. You know, it's, it's short memory in sports for anything. So, like, Torian liked that tweet, but I guarantee you it was out of his mind by the time he played. So, basically, putting all this together, I want to see Torian do well. I do, whether it's in a Cavs uniform or somewhere else. Now, I think he has one year and $14 million left on the deal. And I guess we'll have to see what happens. But I do want him to do well. But at the same time, I will I will close with this. I, I, I hope that it seems Torian does get along with the team. And that's great. But I'd rather see Broderick or Lamar based on how they've been playing lately over him for the 20 minutes that he got. Yeah, and especially it'll, it'll be interesting just to see, you know, how his health does affect him the rest of the year. Um, if the ankle becomes more of an issue. But at the same time, I like I said, and that's that's kind of where you run into the troubles because you know do you do you give Torian his minutes down the stretch of the season and let him build up that rhythm that you know he had had earlier in the season before his injuries? Do you sit him completely for guys like Broderick, guys like Lamar? You know, do you give him kind of inconsistent minutes? Where where do you find you know that that spot for him that's best for him? Because it, it, he's on the team next year, he has a $13 million contract coming into next season. You know, you, you just kind of hope it's just, it's a tough question of, do you, do you try to let him find his way? Do you let him work through his mistakes or do you give those minutes, you know, to the younger guys? It's also a debate of, you know, the calf leaders are not that far out of the playing race. At ah, this point. Come on. I still I'm don't sorry, think that they're I'm ever going to. Okay. I, I'm, at 17 I'm just and 31. I don't think that they're going to make it. I don't think that they're good enough. By the way that they are playing, they are not good enough. But you're not that far away. And in the mind of the Cavaliers, and in the mind of J.B. Bickerstaff in the front office, do you kind of want to keep playing these vets to maybe stay in that race? I don't know. I think those are decisions that they're going to have to make. Like I said, personally, I just don't think this team has it in them at this point. I think we've seen that. Um, even on a night where I think you can take a ton of positives away from like tonight, you still lose by 20. Um, that's just kind of where this team is. But it'll be interesting to see. I want to end it on one more thing. One more quick topic, Zach. Quinn Cook had kind of lost his rotation spot Near the end, there, near the end, there in those last few games, uh, his contract just expired. I believe today. Yes, April, the, and it's no April Fool's joke. We're serious. No, 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 no. we're serious. Yeah. Um, his second ten-day contract had expired. Uh, we'll see what the Cavaliers end up doing with him. Like I said, you know, he had kind of lost his spot in his rotation there at the end, anyway. Um, with Del Vadova coming back. 
they kind of have that guard spot filled. Do you think that Quinn Cook has a future with this team? I'd say no. You know, I think Quinn Cook was just point guard insurance, a guy to put in if he needed to while they waited for Delhi to get back. The only reason he got the second 10-day was because uh, Delhi was not quite there yet. The very day it expired, they got him back. I, I don't see a reason. You know, you got three point guards basically now. You got Darius. Collins a two-guard, but we know he can play the one in a pinch. And you got Delhi. That's all you need. You got Dotson as your emergency guard if you need it. We already saw he could do that, so no. Uh, the fact that they do have a roster spot open, you know, depending on what happens health-wise the rest of the year, maybe they can try out an, an, an added center or perimeter guy. If there's a prospect they like that hasn't really been – I'd love to see them give a 10-day to Bruno Caboclo who can play. I know they, they're, they're kind of set at power forward, but, I, I mean, dude – A guy we've mentioned is Fiandu Cavangale. Who just got waived by the yeah, Kings so after he was traded away from the Clippers. How old is he? How many years? Did, did he play four years in college? Uh, I'm not sure how many years he played in college. I'll, I'll take Hold a look. On. Let's see how old I'll he is. Because well. I'm also kind of sad he got traded, though. He was uh, he was a college teammate of Terrence Mann. He's 23. Yeah, he was a four-year. But okay. a, a young guy who, you know, never got a real opportunity in, you know, in Los Angeles. Has shown a little bit of some stuff. Obviously, I think he's still very, very raw. I think he was obviously taken higher than he should have been in his first round. Um, but yeah, a guy that I wouldn't be opposed to taking a look at down the stretch of the season. Yeah, and if you do that, you get a 10-day guy. You do two 10 days. You don't have to pay them a ton. All right, so the owner doesn't have to worry about that. And then, you know, maybe it works for next year. You know, I don't – some 10-day guys have really – I, for some reason, no one's coming to mind right now at all. But ten day guys have the opportunity to really stick and make it work. I don't think Cousins is in the, was with the Clippers beyond this season. Should he make it past his ten day contracts? But there's just you never know what you're going to get with these. I guess you know you're not just going to find a Lester Hudson who actually I didn't even know this. So his year with the Cavs, he didn't get there till April. I could have sworn he was there in the winter time. I think I guess I was confusing him with Jeremy Pargo. But I didn't know Lester Hudson was an April signing when he when he went off in uh, the, the lockout short in 2012 season. So perhaps they get their next April gem. But yeah, whatever it is, you know. And on the note of Cabin Jelly, they they also got Diamond Stone in the first round. I think he was the first, and then he did nothing at that end of that first no. round. They don't know how to draft, and they also, if I'm not mistaken, took uh, B.J. Johnson. Is it B.J. Johnson from yes. UNC? Yes. Yeah, so that's three three first round pick bigs that didn't even make. Uh, I talked earlier about making it past your first contract with Kevin Love. Look at those guys didn't even make it th- halfway she through. Kevin Gilly had a third year team option tonight. Oh my! So uh, that's rare. Uh, you, you don't usually see yeah, that happen. Yeah, oh, you know, here, here's what I want. Actually, I'd love to see the Cavs on the if they haven't done anything on the last day of the regular season, resign an old buddy, Marquise Chris. Give him a a, a, a non guarantee for next year. Chris is out for the rest of the season. Yeah, no. So, but sign him, kind of like the Knicks did. The Knicks, the, the first signing that uh, Phil did as a so Knicks give him just executive. give him a non guarantee for next year. Or give him a training camp chances. Yeah, kinda, Lamar Odom was the first contract signing by the Knicks. Lamar wasn't even in basketball shape yet. But you know they they did that because maybe they saw something ahead. If you have if you want to get a jump on free agency, you're allowed to do that. If there's a guy that's hurt, kind of like the Rockets, I'm very. I am very meh on the idea of bringing well, back Marquise hey, Chris right now. Well, wait a minute. I thought last year in Golden State, average averaged about 10-5. and five. I thought he was shooting it well. 
who's protecting the rim well. I think he's learned from his early blunders. I think he's a lot better than the last time we saw him in Cleveland. He had one good game as a Cav. But I'll just say this. The Rockets did that with Nawaba, and I know he's been in and out of the lineup, but he has been so good when he's played this year. And they got him. They signed him early. They signed him knowing he was out. They signed him in the, the bubble transaction period, yeah, I believe. What? No, they signed him before then. Was it? The, I thought they signed him before. I think it was in that transaction window, and they gave him you know, the contract knowing that he wasn't going to play that year. Wait a minute. Just, let me just confirm this. Oh, crud. Yeah, okay. Justin Matcham uh, is never to be questioned down anything ever again. Yes. But I'll, just tell me why you're mad on Chris. I guess then we will uh, say adios. I think, one, uh, how old is he now? 23, 24? No, 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 no. I think he's still only 23. Marquise Chris will be 24 on July 2nd. He's, he's still, he's, he's, he'll never be old. He's semi-young. But I, Jared, I, yeah, I, 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 I don't think he has anything as a rim protector. I think he's showing, you know, some flashes of, of confidence as a small ball competence as a small ball five can, can play him in some power forward lineups. I would rather go in a different direction. Like I said, Kevin Gailey is a guy who I wouldn't mind taking a look at something who I think has, I think Marquis Chris basically is what he is at this point. Um, I think okay. having That's more of an fair. unknown in no, Kevin Gailey, we'll you could just kind of see. You know, what, here's here's one. Thon Maker, bring him no. back. No! Why? <laughs> I just had to say What it. is it with I you and Thon, Thon and Ante? Like, just because no one else has that name that we've ever seen in our lives, you just want them to be on the cast? Jordan Bell? Jordan Bell? No, he's too small. Jordan Bell is, is, a, is a power forward that can play center. He's one of those guys. He isn't that what Marquise Chris is? Who's the last name? I said, isn't that what Marcus, Marquise Chris is? What was the last is? name you said? Chris? Oh, yeah. What, what about... Do you hear me? Yeah. Uh, what about... I said... You said he's a small ball five. Isn't that what Marquise Chris no, is? No, no, no. Jordan Bell is a power forward. Marquise Chris is actually a center. Marquise Mar- Chris is a power forward. No, he's not. Marquise Chris was starting at center last year. Marquise Chris was... If Marquise Jordan Chris, Bell plays center as well. No, I, I know, but he... Marquise... Uh, no, I, I like Chris. Chris... Chris is... I just think... I think he's matured. I think being around Golden State has taught him so much. And I think someone will scoop him up next year. I hate that he got hurt after two games. I wonder what would have happened to Golden State center rotation if he didn't get hurt. Would Kerr continue to stick with the three-headed? He's found every excuse not to play James Wiseman big minutes. So if Chris was healthy, I think he could have, uh, you know, he could have kept that. He's, I think, no, he didn't. He was the third. I just want Chris to be healthy. I like him a lot. You know, I listened. I don't know if it was... It might have been when the Cavs played the Warriors. I think it was when the Cavs played the Warriors. And they had Chris on the broadcast. I had the Warriors uh, call on. I just... I really like Mar. I just really wanted to work for Chris. You know? So, we'll see, I guess. I also think that there are some concerns coming off a broken leg. You know, that's that's not nothing. Um, we'll see if he gets an opportunity next year. But I, I don't think now would be the exact time to do that. Although, we'll see. We'll see what direction they end up going with yeah. that. Anything uh, is kind of the loop around... Anything is possible, but kind of to loop around to Quinn Cook again, uh, I, I am in agreement with you there. I thought if if the Delvadova thing was going to drag out any longer, I thought it would make some sense to sign Cook, Cook the rest of the season. Uh, and I, I think he played fine in the yeah, opportunities that he I got. Agree. I think he nice deserved pull up game. He's I, good at using screens. Yeah. I think he deserved to get that second contract. Um, I think you know he, he tailed off production wise a little bit there at the end, kind of struggled to shoot the ball. Um, 
But overall, I think, you know, they got what they wanted out of him. You know, Quinn Cook, you know, got an extra, what, what was it, probably $240,000 out of it. Yeah, um, nice little, overall, uh, nice little chilling money for the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think I think it worked out, but I do think, you know, especially if, if the Cavaliers are confident that Del Vidova is here to stay for the rest of the season, I don't think there's any real reason to do that. No, um, no, totally agree. I, uh, here's a question for you. Does Quinn Cook find another team this year, or is his season over? Probably not. I think the buyout market is pretty much shaking out the way it's going to go at this point. Um, not going go to go back to the Lakers – if Chris Dunn, Chris Dunn still hasn't played yet, and Brandon Goodwin's not going to suffice in a playoff chase. Is Quinn Cook really going like, to suffice, though? I, I mean, think he's better a, than Brandon Goodwin. They have a full Goodwin. roster. They Brandon have a full Goodwin roster. has good games, but that's because Brandon Goodwin's usage rate's probably extremely high when he, when he gets big minutes. They don't I'm really just, have a roster spot, though. The, the Hawks don't. Oh, uh, what the Okay. I, I, never, I, don't, I don't have anything in front of me. That's just a – okay. That's fair. But anyway, yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, the the Bucks were a maybe, but then they signed Jeff Teague. They're still in the race for Austin yeah. Rivers. Uh, the Lakers, I don't think, are going to bring him back. The Clippers, I don't think, you know, yeah, have with a Rondo, Ron, they have enough guards. I, I don't think that he's probably going to get another deal this season. Uh, we'll see about next season. I'm sure he'll at least get a training camp invite, or we can see him sign overseas. Um, I thought he played well enough to where, you know, he earned maybe another shot next year in the NBA. Oh, we'll for sure. I think that. Since his first and second year in Golden State, he really hasn't had the opportunity to prove what he can do. He's kind of just been around. Well, I think he's such a defensive liability where it's hard to keep him on the floor long enough to, to show him. But uh, overall, appreciate everything Quinn Cook did for Cleveland. It was a fun little fun little 20-day experience with him. Zach, before we get out of here, is there anything else you got to say? Anything else you got to get off your chest? Yes, I'd like to say to everybody that listened to us for 66 minutes talking about Matthew Dolovadova, uh, smart haircuts, and, um, well, everything else in between. Thank you. Uh, it was great coming on, Justin. And uh, I won't switch jerseys at halftime ever again. And uh, hot take, I think that the Cavaliers, I apparently haven't won a Miami in a long time. Uh, I did watch a Cavs win in Miami on LeBron's 23rd birthday back in, I believe it was 2008 uh, in Miami. So I, I think the Cavs beat the Heat, and I think that Delhi plays 20 minutes. All right. I don't know if I'm there yet with the Cavs beating the Heat, but we'll see. We will see. I, I don't. I, I think it's very reasonable to say that Delhi could play twenty minutes in that game, but uh, I don't know. The Heat are good. Anyway, <laughs> with that, um, we can wrap it up. Thank you, Zach, for for talking with me for now sixty eight minutes. <laughs> uh, it's been an <laughs> yes, enjoyable sixty eight minutes. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to us for sixty eight minutes. Uh, if you enjoyed those minutes, subscribe, please. Uh, you'll never miss a future episode that way. Go back and listen to some old episodes. Uh, leave a rating. Leave a review on iTunes. It helps the show. And, uh, yeah, we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.